Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a joy to be together on this Palm Sunday and uh, to wait in anticipation for next Sunday as we celebrate Easter and uh, the resurrection. We have a busy week and we have, it's an interesting week full of dissonance with uh, with the death, the crucifixion, and then the celebration at sunrise on next Sunday morning of, of the life and the resurrection. So it's, it's, a, it's a big week, an interesting week, and for Christians, a very important week. We've, uh, we've had some wonderful blessed weeks around here. Thank you to many of you who uh, congratulated me on becoming a full-fledged Mennonite Brethren Ontario Conference pastor. As of, uh, as, of, as of last week, so I'm, I'm pleased to, to be official, to have that stamp, that Mennonite stamp of approval. It looks like a Pershki or something. Or um, I'm also pleased to let you know that two weeks ago, Katie and I did some training with the Red Cross, and we are now certified emergency first aid and CPR caregivers. Yes. In fact, here's a little-known fact. All of your pastoral staff are certified first aid emergency CPR caregivers. So, we love you, we pray for you, and when you fall down, we know what to do. We, we, uh, you're well-loved, and you are safe. We decided that all of us should have this certification because we want to be able to care for you and whatever God brings our way here at church. We're going to hear about one of our beloved who fell. Um, she didn't fall here, but she fell this, uh, this year. And it's too bad you didn't have one of the pastors there, because we would have known what to do. Um, no matter what our credentialing, no matter what our titles, we all carry the same title when we are born. We are born sinners, saved by Jesus, loved and forgiven. Your pastor, Rob, he's certified but he's a sinner, forgiven sinner, a saved sinner. Today we're going to look at the life and ministry of Jesus. We're going to look at those two stories that Rodney read. Um, I see Jesus speaking about sin, caring for sinners. The portrait of Christ is, the name is Jesus, friend of sinners. And that's why he's a friend of mine. He knows He loves, he forgives. Let's look briefly at these two stories from Luke 5 and Luke 7. Um, Let's start with Luke chapter 5, 27 to 32. If you have your Bibles, you can leave it open. Um, And it's a story of Jesus. Both of these stories are Jesus going to parties, going to houses, going to feasts. I have been at a number of your homes, and we have eaten. Some of you have taken me to the Mandarin. That's a feast. Some of you have created for me pupusas, beautiful Spanish food and, and wraps and sauces and, oh, I love parties. So much like Jesus, I am always, Sarah and I are always available for food with you at your homes. Let's, um, just so you know, we, we are vegetarians, but we eat everything else. And if there's meat in it, we just take it out and put it to the side. So here is Jesus being invited to a tax collector's house. Um, 
I was trying to think, what is the equivalent of a tax collector today? Would it be a fentanyl drug dealer? Someone who we just, we are so angry, that they're despised. Some, and I was talking to someone, they said Donald Trump, but I do not despise Donald Trump. I pray for Donald Trump. He needs our prayers. Doesn't he? I like to think of the United States as our southern province. <laughs> Called USA, U-S-A. It's, our, it's a large province, but we love them down there. And we pray for them. I'm trying to think, what is, who is a person who is despised? Keep that in your mind. Here's a bit of a background about tax collectors. Why they were so hated back in the day. First, they made their living by overcharging people. Uh, With the full backing of the Roman government, they collected money and they overcharged. In English, it's called extortion. They were extortionists. Um, You'll see a picture, uh, David, do we have him there? Doesn't he look like an extortionist? People hated them because they were cheats who profited richly at the expense of others. And mainly poor people. They became rich off the poor. Taxes at the time, uh, at Jesus' time, were about 50% of your income. So if we think that we are the only people who are taxed, we are not. The tax has been around for a long time. Second, tax collectors were traitors. They had sold out to the Romans. Remember, this is among the Jewish community. They had sold out to the Romans and were punishing their own Jewish friends and family for personal profit. So they were cheats, traitors, backsliders. You you couldn't curse anyone any worse than to call them a tax collector. As we read the Gospels, we see the Pharisees often refer to the sinners, the Gentiles, Samaritans, and other sinners. Um, They like to to call people words that makes them almost inhuman. And the worst thing you can call someone is a sinner and a tax collector. They were the worst of the worst. So in our scriptures, we see Jesus. He's up uh, on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, a, a town called Capernaum, Capernaum. Um, and one day he sees one of these despised tax collectors sitting as his tax booth. So this is in a public area, probably looked like a little, a little table, a little booth, and he said two words, follow me. Powerful words, follow me. He says this to the tax collector whose name is Levi. And, and here's the amazing thing, Levi gets up, leaves everything behind, and follows Jesus. It's incredible. Two powerful words. Follow me. Now it seems reasonable to conclude that that Levi was familiar with Jesus. Jesus had been around Capernaum and and Jerusalem and, and all around the Sea of Galilee there. Perhaps he knew Jesus. I'm not sure if Jesus knew him. He knew him enough to say, follow me, and he called him, follow me, to become one of his disciples. In this story, Jesus calls, Levi answers. Jesus calls, Levi answers. It's very simple. Stands up and leaves everything at the call of Jesus. And it strikes me that the same is true for you and me. I was with our baptism candidates this morning. And um, each of them has the story of when they heard the call of God and they answered. They, they prayed a prayer here. They went home and talked to their mother or their father, to their families, and they answered. And they said, yes, 
And they prayed, Christ, I'm a sinner, I need you. I want to be your child. Well, that's pretty much what our Levi did there. Jesus says, follow me. And our response can be exactly the same as Levi's. When you hear God call, you stand up, you leave everything, and you follow him. Jesus says, whoever tries to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So what's our best response when Jesus says, follow me? Get up. Get up and go. As long as we try to hold on, as long as we try to stay in control, as long as we try to follow Jesus without giving up everything, we won't succeed. Sarah and I learned this when we were called to serve Christ in East Africa. I don't know how we ever said yes, but we did. Jesus called. Well, first a bishop from Africa called Canada. A Canadian agency called us. We were, we were pastoring in Canada at the time. I'd never been to Africa I didn't know much about Africa. I, uh, I'd seen a video. And they said, would you and Sarah go? Would you just go? Leave everything, your mom, your dad, your sisters, your church, and uh, go to Africa. And we did. We did. And I don't regret it for a minute. When you hear God say, follow me, get up and go. The story continues, and here's a beautiful thing. So Levi must have left, after he left Jesus, he went home and he planned a party. He went to M&M Meats on the way home to get some stuff. You know, he, he ordered some food and he called all of his friends. It says that Levi went home to prepare a great banquet. A large crowd of people called undesirables gathered at Levi's house for a meal, a party, and more importantly, to meet Jesus. So he gets up, he follows Jesus, and then he goes home and he plans a party for Jesus. It must have been quite a, a giant banquet. Because he wanted all of his sinner friends to meet Jesus. I, uh, I don't know exactly what this party was like. But I know that Jesus being seen there made the religious leader, the Pharisees, say, Jesus, he's a friend of sinners for being at this party. And that was, that was wrong. You know, no, no decent Pharisee wanted to be labeled a friend of sinners. Um, he, they said, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? You can just hear them spitting it out. What a mistake, a serious judgment error. Even Pharisees know that a good religious leader does not have friends who are sinners. But it's clear that Jesus had a higher purpose. Jesus didn't care. I, I believe that, that he loves all people. The religious leaders were quick to see people as labels and to equate them with an absence of worth. For three years, I worked in a, a maximum security penitentiary. And I was with the people who are labeled lifers, Murderers, rapists, prostitutes, addicts. And in our culture, and back in Jesus' day, the Pharisees, they loved to make people labels because then you didn't have to love them. They, they, were, they deserve what they get. No, they don't deserve it. What happens when you turn a person into a label is that they become not real people.
people. They have no dignity. They have no status. They are virtually of no worth. Jesus saw behind the labels. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. My label was geek. When I was a kid, I was a geek. I had big curly hair and I, 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 I loved radios and I built electronics and people loved. And there was, there was, when I was young, they would put me in the garbage can up on the second floor in the junior high and they would spin the garbage can down the, down the hallway because it was nicely waxed. It must have been beautiful. And there was little, my, my nickname was Q-Tip. Because I had this, you, I know it's hard to imagine, I had all this hair uh, that, was, that was all over the place. And um, I was a label. And you can treat a label any way you want. Jesus looked behind the label. He loved them. They turned from being a label to a friend. Do you have any friends who were labels? I have friends who are lifers, who are murderers. I was a label. And Christ saw past the label to call me friend. Here's a beautiful thing. You know who Levi is? This man who made the party, who was the tax collector, who got up and followed Jesus. Do you know who he is? He's Matthew the Apostle. This isn't a nobody. This man who was a tax collector was Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He wrote a book. He left. He left his tax booth and he became one of Jesus' most treasured, beloved disciples. He went from a label and a sinner and a tax collector to Matthew that we know and love. His Greek name was Matthew. His Hebrew name was Levi. Not, not everybody puts those two together. That this sinner, this tax collector was Matthew. Jesus took the outcast, the hated, the despised, the tax collector and made him the closest disciple. He took the geek the little curly-headed, skinny little thing, and he, and he called him and made him pastor. What a gift. What a gift. He took the outcast, the hated, and he made them his friend. And this gives me hope. Hope for me. I realize that I was a sinner. I am a sinner in need of God's grace and forgiveness. Every time we take communion, I... Take the body and the blood, and I pray, Christ, thank you. I, I'm going to try again this month to be totally clean, totally yours. Use me, cleanse me, make me yours. It gives me hope, this story. Secondly, it gives me hope for the world. I have hope for those around me. Jesus can change things. Jesus has the power to make us new. Why don't you... He doesn't care about labels, about the status in society. He doesn't even care if we think we are completely worthless or undeserving. He loves us. He says, come on, Linda, you are precious and you're of worth. He says, I love you and I died for you. Jesus calls us his friends. And just like Levi, Jesus invites us to follow him. And Linda follows him. And this is her story. Good morning, dear church family. My name is Linda, 
and I come to you today as someone who has struggled and suffered in my life. Through God's love, his word, and his precious people, he has made me a strong and compassionate person. There were times that I felt unloved and abused, unworthy, but Jesus' love, time and time again, shone through, and I learned that I am valued and loved by God. My joy in life is that God has placed me where I can help others. One of my greatest joys is serving lunch at Scott Street on Wednesdays. It's just, it's an, <clears throat> sorry. It is an opportunity for me to be with people that I love and serve with a great team, helping to let everyone who comes through the doors know that they are loved and cared about. Since coming to a strong faith, life has been a blessing, but there have also been many hard times. One of the difficulties I have recently happened in February, I was coming home after Potluck Sunday from right here at Scott Street. Bob and Marie were driving me home. I was just stepping out of the car when my foot hit ice and I lost my balance. It happened so fast. All I remember is lying on my side and crying. Bob came over and found me crying in the snow, and then Bob, Marie, and Quinn helped me back into their car and drove me to the hospital. After x-rays, the doctors decided I would need a total shoulder replacement. This is a very serious surgery, a difficult and painful one that requires many hours. Well, it turned out that one of the best shoulder surgeons in Canada works right here in St. Catherine's Hospital. He did my surgery, and after five and a half hours, he had rebuilt and replaced my shoulder. The pain was unbelievable. Bones, ligament, and tissue were torn and injured and needed to heal. Not only was it painful, but I couldn't do anything for myself. My daughter and friends from here at Scott Street were there helping me. Great doctors, physiotherapists worked to get my arm back on track. It's been a long journey, but I know Jesus was and is there for me. My arm is about 60% healed right now. I still can't lift anything, but it is unbelievable how fast I am healing. I am praying that I will be back to full strength in the fall. Jesus keeps me strong in my heart. I am so grateful for his loving and healing touch. I know I am a child of God. He knows me. He knows my name. And he takes care of me. I am living in the Scott Street Apartments now. And in two weeks, I will be joining this church family. I am grateful for you all and grateful that I am a child of God. There is one scripture that means a lot to me. It is from Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of, like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Thank you, church family, for your love and understanding and for being there for me. God bless you all. Thank you for your story, Linda.
and welcome to the church family. In two weeks, we'll make it official as you transfer your membership here. And uh, uh, we all have a story like that. We all were sinners. We all have suffered. And, uh, and God is good all the time. Thank you for your story. I'm still living in the light of the story of Henry, Henry Fast, and I had the, the blessing of, of doing the funeral, of, of leading his funeral and memorial with Paul. And uh, he's one of the many people here whose story I wish I was part of longer. You've told me about him and, and his love for children, his ability to make things out of wood, his leadership with Margaret at communion for so many years, and Sunday school and kids club. What a man. And I just caught a glimpse of him. I just caught a glimpse of him, but I can't wait to meet him again. Amen? Yeah. Second story comes from Luke 7, 36 to 50. Another party. It follows, um, let me read scripture, uh, verse verse 33. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, who are always bothering him. He says to the Pharisees, For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, He has a demon. Son of man came eating and drinking, and you say, He's a glutton and a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. We see here that the title, Friend of Sinners, Jesus knows he's being called that friend of sinners. It was the name given to him during his life on earth. What's your name? Would you be proud to be labeled friend of sinners? We should be. We should be caring for those in need. This second story is quite opposite to the last one. Now Jesus is dining, not having the big party with the tax collector with Levi, he's having an an upper-class affair sitting at a table with a Pharisee. Um, So you'd have to break out your your best sandals and and put on your best behavior because you're going to the Pharisees, the priest's house. Uh, Scripture doesn't tell us all that was going on or even the reason for the invitation, only that Jesus was invited to go to the Pharisee's house. Simon was his name, Simon the Pharisee. Jesus shows us that he'll eat with everybody, with the tax collectors and sinners and the Pharisees and sinners. They're two very different parties. Um, We need to understand that parties back then were different than now. They weren't private. People would come and listen and watch. So at this party at the Pharisee's house, who shows up? Well, the The Bible doesn't use the word, but it's called, um, a different translation, a woman of ill repute, a woman who's a sinner. It's uh, the researchers and biblical scholars believe that she was a prostitute. And a prostitute is never welcome in a Pharisee's house. Luke tells us that she brings an expensive jar of perfume and stands by Jesus' feet. We have to remember that at those times, At that time, meals were taken laying down. With your head, there was a a table, and you would lay down, and your feet would stick out behind you. So it's not like a Christmas meal at Grandma's where you're sitting in the nice chair with the fine china. You are laying, eating, pulling things off the table with your friends around you, and his feet are to the back. 
It's very different. I've never been to a party of that sort. I look forward to it. Um, so there's Jesus. He's eating. He's, he's got his head on, his elbow on the ground, his head up. He's eating. And a woman, this woman, this prostitute, comes to him and starts to weep. And her tears land. She's so close that her very tears land on Jesus' feet. And to, to wipe the tears off his feet, what does she use? Her hair. This is so culturally difficult for me to understand. Her tears fall. She wipes him. She wipes his feet. She kisses his feet. Has anyone ever kissed your feet? I have never had anyone kiss my feet. I would not recommend it. <laughs> but this, this, she did it. She loved Jesus so much that she was willing to, to, to kiss his feet and to, to bless him with perfume. She put perfume on his feet. Gentlemen, have many of you had perfume on your feet? We don't, we don't understand this culturally. But these are all signs of love, respect, humility. So, this woman has broken every law in the Pharisee's book. Here she is at his home. And he's seeing all of this happen at his table. The Bible says he's thinking, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is. She's a sinner. He would tell her, away from me, you sinner. So that's the Pharisees thinking, he doesn't know who this woman is. But Jesus knows what he's thinking. He tells Simon the Pharisee a story. He asks him a question. I ask you this question. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed 500 denarii. That's two years' wage, $100,000. The other owes 50 denarii, which is around $7,000. Two months' wage. Two months, two years. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Jesus asked him, now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, so here's the Pharisee. Simon says, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. They'll love him more. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. So Jesus and Simon are talking right there, and the woman is right there. Then Jesus turned toward the woman and said to Simon. So Simon and the woman, you can just imagine. It's hard to imagine. It's so culturally distant from us. He said, you see this woman, Simon. I came to your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet. But she, she wet my feet with her tears, and she wiped them with her hair. You, Simon, you did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. You can see she's right here. Therefore... I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, and her great love has shown. Whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Wow. Those who are forgiven much love much. Those who are forgiven little love little. Do you have anyone who loves you much? What person are you like? 
Are you like the person with the two years debt or the two months debt? The 500 or the 50 denarii? It makes a difference. What is our debt of sin? I know that we love God and we are grateful for his love, but sometimes we do not have the love we should. Sometimes it's difficult to leave everything to follow God because we believe that we're self-sufficient. We feel like we owe little, so we serve little and we love little. We become prideful. We become self-centered. So easy. Which one are you? The one who's been forgiven $100,000 or the one who's been forgiven the seven? Forgiven a great amount or a little amount? Because Jesus says the one who's been forgiven much loves much. When I asked you last week what is your image of Jesus that you relate to most, I gave you... These are all the sermons over the last few weeks. Jesus the king, servant, prophet, priest, lamb of God, son of God, son of man, last Sunday, and then today, Jesus, friend of sinner. And a number of you said that you really relate to Jesus as the friend of sinners. And it's a common thing, because each of us are aware of our need and our sin. Now, if Jesus was a friend of sinners... Do we, too, need to be friends of sinners? I believe, as we read through the New Testament, it is quite clear that we, too, are to be friends of sinners. We need to be in relationship with those who do not know Jesus so that they can know him through us, our hands, our feet, our love, our food. Jesus represented the perfect friend of sinners, And he sets an example for us. He even went to their parties. When was the last time you went to a sinner's party? I don't know. I I asked myself that question. I'm wondering if I know enough sinners. My problem is, is I'm surrounded by you. I'm surrounded by you. Jesus went to people's homes. He went to their parties. They weren't projects. They were people that he loved and became his friend. And he was an authentic friend. I believe this story tells me to go to, to, to love the sinner, to go to their homes, not see them as a project, but to see them as child of God. They'll get to know Jesus. I'll tell them. First, I'll eat their food, though. Then I'll tell them. I hope that the picture of Jesus as a friend of sinner challenges you to, to foster friendships with people around us who don't know Jesus. Now, here's, here's a, a clue. You don't have to invite them to church the first time you meet them. Maybe go to their party first, then invite them. And then in time, once you get to know and to love the people around us, your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends... Once you get to know them and they get to know and love you, then invite them here. Because then they don't have a chance. Because you, dear family, are incredible. I've brought my family here and my friends here, and they always leave saying, what an incredible church. They, let's invite our friends. If you've earned that right, if you authentically love them and bring them to church... uh, 
and invite them to church. Bring them and let us love them too. Amen? Let us love them too. Let's pray. Jesus, what a friend of sinners. We stand before you grateful for your love and forgiveness. Help me to be like you. To show your love to the world. To love as you loved. To forgive as you forgive. To welcome sinners. To be free to go to their homes and share with them. And invite them to know Christ. Father, we've been forgiven a lot. Help us to love a lot. Receive our lives again today. Father, change us and then change the world through us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Church.ca